morning, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, my name is Alex Seekins. We've got Jeff Goki and Ryan Romeo and David Stockton here. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different today that we haven't done before. Uh, we've just finished out a series called To the Seven Churches as we've been looking in on the seven letters to the churches in the beginning of the book of Revelations. Uh, and as we've been talking and kind of brainstorming and planning uh, this whole series, we realize that there's often these really kind of fun nuggets uh, that we would all love to include in the sermon, uh, but we also don't want to make you sit around for a two-hour sermon every Sunday morning. And so uh, we just want to spend a little bit of time digging into that, uh, excuse me, giving you guys some of the things that we missed out on, some of the things that we really wanted to present but couldn't. Um, and so we're going to spend you know a little, little bit of time talking about that uh, and just digging into that a little bit. Uh, the first thing we want to get into is some of what was kind of underneath the surface with the whole series. There was this aspect, this facet of kind of community and communal collectivism that we were hitting on a little bit. Um, and so we just want to unpack that a little bit and let you guys know what was going on there. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think, Jeff, uh, really, I was really appreciative of, uh, of you and the voice you brought the whole kind of planning process behind the scenes mm -hmm. uh, because you're someone who I think really has spent a good amount of time trying to wrap your mind around majority world culture mm -hmm. uh, as it, and its distinctions from American culture and Western culture a little mm -hmm. bit. came out really beautifully in your message, but maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, some of the voice you brought to that initial planning meeting when we were talking about the series uh, and kind of the communal, the collective facets yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I think anytime you're trying to, especially with Revelation, it's, you know, when you westernize Revelation, you know, it's just like, it's, you know, there's people have made millions and millions of dollars uh, off of this particular book. And so it's like, but when you travel around the world and you start realizing how it's impacted in different cultures and communities, you're like, wow, it's completely different in the way that they, they kind of read it. So I think in the heart, when we kind of came and sat down and said, how are we going to do this was like, I think communities got to be kind of that main thing, one of the main things that we go after. You know, we're a body here, but there's bodies all over the world that are kind of working through what's going on and what God's called us to. So I think that really drove a part of why we did and designed, at least the way it was laying out, mm -hmm. you know, the wins, yeah. the losses, starting, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, and and what it actually means is one, what it means to win is one, and all that kind of stuff, it loses one. I think that drove... I think a lot of our planning and thinking, I don't know what you guys, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I think when David brought the letter to the seven churches, we started going, okay, immediately thinking revelation, you're going, how do we talk about it? Cause everybody's so hungry to know, like, are, you know, holding it up against their, their phone going, is it, this is the news <laughs> happening? Is yeah. it reflecting what's going on in revelation? But to, to come at it from a different angle. And I think after all of our conversation to go, the book of Revelation doesn't just speak to the future, mm -hmm. it speaks to right now. right now. And it actually has a, a pastoral voice to communities right now. And I think that created an interesting conversation of going, okay, now what does this letter tell us about community? What does it tell us about as, faith, uh, as people in a faith community? And how does it inform our living right now? Mm -hmm. And I think that's when that conversation started to get a yeah. lot more fun. And I also realized uh, in our prep time, the thing, we were actually, as a team, kind of living that out. We were all reading different books mm -hmm. and be like, oh, you got to read this book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Peterson, you got to read this. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, and so yeah. that was kind of, we were kind of working through that together. So I think that's like a, a cool way of how we went into this is it wasn't like I got my thing, David's got his thing, and, you know, you got your, you know, like everyone was like, no, 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 what? You know, it was yeah. kind of very pretty collaborative. So yeah. Yeah. that same heart seemed to carry it out as we were preparing and working on it together. 
Yeah, sure. it it's been. I mean, it was fun because this is kind of a newer thing for mm. us with a little bit of like a content or teaching team. Mm. But um, but yeah, just the fascinating thing that it the, the revelation is a letter. Mm. It's just one letter. One letter that that a guy named John, a pa- who was a pastor mm. over these churches, he wrote a letter to his churches while he couldn't be with them. Yeah, and and in the letter, obviously he he's actually saying that Jesus told him to write the letter, mm. but it's just one letter. And it's a wild letter, yeah. <laughs> and and he sent it to seven churches in Asia Minor, which he you know had connection and relationship with. But it's one letter. But in that one letter, there are messages to each specific church. But again, that they get to all read the message to the other church. There's something real collective about mm-hmm. that. Something real communal, and uh, and I think also which lends itself to, you know, we're just one church. Mm. That's that's in a network of a lot of churches. And so we're kind of reading the mail to another church and, and using what's there to apply to us. And, yeah. and we, I think we do try, do we fit in with one of them? And I think that's fine to do. But the goal was, you know, what can we glean from all of them? Mm-hmm. Not just like, oh, yeah, we're Laodicea. We're the worst. Yeah. Or yeah. check us out. We're one of the best, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like all of that collectively, what can we glean from each one mm-hmm. as we're trying to figure out how to do community mm-hmm. in a time where, the world seems a little wild to us right now. Yeah, and, yeah, and there's so much practicality in it too. Mm-hmm. I think that's when we were going through. We're going, gosh, there's so many. Again, we're reading normally reading Revelation, looking at the dragons and the craziness, and but that letter has so many practical things. Mm-hmm. And for us to just lay that out in front of the church and go, this is these are things that are that are great. God celebrates these things. God does not like these things, and we could, should talk about that too, you know. And and all of the little things that that speak to a community, it was surprisingly practical as we were yeah. going through it, you know. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that like I've been really chewing on for a while, and it was fun to get to do that a little bit with you guys, and and then to hear what was coming out as you guys chewed on the same facet. Is this is this difference between individualistic cultures and collectivist cultures? And we in America, we're we're one of the most, if not the most, individualistic culture. Uh, that exists today, and 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 it's probably up there in in the course of history. Yeah. Um, and and so wrapping your mind around some of the differences and what does that mean? Because that's not always a bad thing. You know, individualistic cultures uh, that actually creates a lot of buffer from uh, corruption. You know, mm-hmm. the Reformation is a big part of that, right? When we yeah. said we were all, it was a collective church, and there were some problems, and we. And, and the really sad thing happened that was also wonderful and the church split and now all of a sudden you can have really healthy churches a lot easier mm. uh, but you can also have some really messy and mm. perverse churches in yeah. the same space um, yeah. Yeah. and so it complicates that a little bit and we experience that also I think on an individual level right where mm. Americans we split from our families if there's problems and that can be great when you break away from you know uh, the perversion and the twisting that takes place within mm-hmm. a larger family yeah. but you also miss out on the benefit and the blessings of all that. So I think mm, yeah. looking at the book of Revelation, I think like it was so valuable the way you highlighted this is one letter. I mean, we mm-hmm. look at it as Americans, we tend to look at it and split it into seven letters yeah. to individual churches and then even more to me yeah. it, within that What's individual that church or to that person. Yeah. 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 Uh, but to say, well, what is, you know, the, uh, the very individualistic thing to say is, the things that make me different are the things that make me me. That's Piglet, by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The famous, <laughs> Piglet, um, the famous philosopher. The, yeah, the yeah, famous yeah. philosopher <laughs> Piglet. Yeah, you can quote him. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, and, and there, there's some truth to that, you sure. know. Um, I think we all feel and experience that as Americans. But also the things that make me the same as you 
are the things that make me me as well. Mm. Uh, think of the people that you connect with the most, your best friends, right? Like, like I, in high school, I had three best friends, or, or what, I was one of three best friends, right? And we were all tall, lanky, pudgy guys who loved doing ceramics uh, and who loved listening to Under Oath and who loved playing Risk, you know? Just and getting fired up doing ceramics. Yeah. Yeah. And it was such up. a part of our identity, right? That like <laughs> we'd, we'd yeah. hang out with people and, and someone would, we'd get mistaken for the other all the time. Actually, uh, when <laughs> one of them during the, the rehearsal for uh, one of their weddings, uh, the guy who was officiating the wedding accidentally pronounced Justin and Alec, mm. uh, which, you know, <laughs> that's so that funny. was a little awkward. That's a little awkward. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, it didn't happen on the wedding day itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, so yeah. I have a question. Do you yeah. feel like so much of this letter feel it's so divisive in so many ways, but it also becomes kind of like, it seems like people kind of divide it. Like it's actually two or three different kind of letters, mm -hmm. you know? So we take the churches and we kind of put them over here. And then we have this like eschatological reality, like over here. And these two don't match. And I feel like that was a tension. I felt it specifically, like it's a tension that we we're all trying to bridge, but I felt like you were trying, David, you were trying to bridge that gap I, the whole time. I actually loved that reality. I mean, and I think, you know, so for me, Revelation 119 says, write the things which you have seen, yeah. the things which are and the things which will be hereafter. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Revelation 1, John wrote what he had seen, the, the actual kind of visitation of Jesus. Revelation 2 and 3 were things that were. I mean, right then, yep. John was, you know, kind of oversight for these seven churches. They were there in existence, first century Asia Minor. Mm. And then what's interesting is chapter 4, verse 1, you know, uses the word metataota after these things yep. to to start what seems like another section. So, I, I mean, I, in, if you're taking the, the book of Revelation as a forth-telling, apocalyptic kind of like mm. book— then, then that is helpful to kind of divide it that way. And then to think, okay, here are these after these things, these metataota 4 through 22. Mm -hmm. And there's a message there. But this was the first time, and I think um, somewhat from Reverse Thunder, the, yeah. the book that you were talking about with Eugene Peterson, Such which book. was oh, really man. helpful. If you want a resource, <laughs> read that book. Yeah. Yes, for I, sure. And, and not that he didn't really do this, but just the way mm -hmm. that he kind of threw out all the rules of mm -hmm. how you're supposed he to do it. Revelation, or even like biblical interpretation, and just yeah. it was just kind of like what if I just soak in this book? These are some of the things that just start to to stand out to me. Yeah. And he just kind of was doing this is the last word on this. This is the last word on this, and and so be, because of that, I just felt like okay, well let's let let's just let Revelation just speak mm -hmm. freely. And so then it was okay. The messages in Revelation two and three. That we were that we were drawing out of that passage, can the rest of Revelation interpret those? Yes. Yeah. And so you yeah. you know here's the picture of Jesus, a, a little bit to each church. Mm. Well, what does the rest of Revelation, the apocalyptic, the metataota aspect of Revelation? Yeah. How do those things inform <laughs> us into the things that are the the yes. the image of Jesus there? Mm. Um, and that was that was so fun. I think your message you just did on Sunday mm -hmm. just was a real easy, clear example of that was mm -hmm. the the refrain to him who overcomes at the end of every message to the church. So yeah. then you rightfully said, okay, well let's just stay in Revelation. I don't need yeah. to go to a commentary. I don't need mm -hmm. to go to yeah, the yeah. Old Testament or New Testament, although those are wonderful things to do, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just said, let's just start with Revelation. And so you went, where is there a message in Revelation? where it talks about overcoming. And there's actually a specific people in Revelation chapter 12 
that say they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and loving not their life unto death. Mm. So then your whole message was just basically, okay, this is the message to him who overcomes. It's really good. Yeah. What does Revelation say about re overcoming? And then you went into your whole message. And that's it. That was so fun for me to try and like yeah. interpret Revelation with Revelation. Mm -hmm. So I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. such a key like Hebrew literature thing. And John I'm obviously is a big fan of Hebrew literature, you know, even mm -hmm. though he's writing, you know, mm -hmm. in Greek, uh, you can see elements of that over and over and over again. One of the things mm -hmm. that I landed on, and it's a little bit like deep down the rabbit hole, mm -hmm. um, but there's this thing that happens in, um, in Hebrew literature, uh, and I'd been exposed to it years before as like under the word Hebrew parallelism, but, mm -hmm. uh, but a little while ago I did one of the Bible project classes that they have up on their website, the uh, mm -hmm. classroom beta uh, classes, and it's on interpreting the Hebrew scriptures. Mm -hmm. And he dives so deep, Tim Mackey's the one uh, teaching that class, he dives so deep into something that just Hebrew parallelism doesn't match it anymore. Uh, basically what you have is, it's, it's really clear in uh, Hebrew poetry, right, where you have all these different types of formats of, of uh, and arrangements uh, and, uh, and compositions of the poetry where you have like a A, B, C, B, A format, right? Yeah, I think yeah, some yeah. of us are probably kind of familiar. <laughs> but then sometimes you get A, A, B, B, C, C, you know? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have something that's kind of asymmetrical, but what you have is you have words or concepts that are connecting the A's and the A's and the B's and the B's, mm -hmm. and they're informing each other, right? So if you see it, oh, it's talking about, you know, uh, it's talking about, you know, fruit over here, and then it's talking about, you know, fruit vines over here, well, well, this is A and this is A, and then the rest of this verse probably helps us to understand a little more what's happening in this verse, mm. you know, over here that matches the A. And John, when I was digging into those rewards for overcoming, which is a little bit more David's message the week before mine, uh, but I couldn't help but see that John is doing that in these verses on overcoming. He brings up three topics, and it's just so Jewish. It looks so very much like <laughs> Like uh, like Genesis one, and John obviously is, like loves Genesis one. It's how yeah. he opens up his gospel, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have three concepts that I can see in there uh, in those rewards. Uh, one is of eternal life. So uh, to he who overcomes, you know, grant to eat the the, the tree of life, or yeah. their name will be written in the yeah. book of life. Uh, and then you have one that is seems to me the theme of glory or honor, um, and then you have a third which seems to be the theme of um, one second, I got that on my notes here. Um, authority. Hmm. Uh, and so, and these actually happen. There are three that reference eternal life, seven that reference glory, and three that reference uh, uh, authority. Hmm. Um, and they actually happen. And just the way they're laid out, I'd challenge anybody who's interested, like take those verses, spread them out there, and count those up and see the really beautiful symmetrical way that they're laid out. Yeah. Uh, and symmetrical and also asymmetrical. It's just a really cool thing that's hmm. happening in there. And uh, I don't know. I like what smart the point people. Is. I like smart people like you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like I. How do I? I'm trying. I'm probably like, how do I make this practical? Like, how does this? <laughs> yeah, impact, I don't know yet. How do I make the? How does this impact my life today and life at others? And yeah. I, I think, I, I think trying to help uh, bridge that gap through. I think yeah. those are head and heart kind of realities mm -hmm. of like, you have so much, you have amazing heart, but I think you've got an amazing mind. And that was each of the communicators trying to go like, how do we, yeah. like that right there is gold. 
I would have probably never gone down that rabbit trail, but we need that rabbit trail to be Mm -hmm. gone down, especially in this time, to be able to go, no, there's actually context to this that's yeah. really really yeah. in, really yeah. really important well and that's a beautiful thing about reverse thunder that book we will probably <laughs> yeah. mention five more times <laughs> in this podcast but the way that eugene peterson says you know there's these different sort of lenses to look at revelation that was so beautiful you go mm-hmm. you see john you go 100%. clearly yeah. he's a pastor clearly yes. he cares mm-hmm. about people prophet, absolutely poet. yeah but he's a prophet too yeah. he's mm-hmm. giving you some crazy vision mm-hmm. of the future and interpretation of the now and everything else prophetically but he's also a poet, yeah. which is just mm-hmm. this beautiful way to look at Revelation and go, okay, which is exactly what you're yeah. doing. You're breaking it down going, there's like like poetic yep. prose yeah. in here if yeah. you pay attention. And I think that's the thing that's beautiful about, I mean, the word of God in general, but especially Revelation as we were going through it, there are so many different ways to look at it. I felt like we could have spent years teaching that book and yeah. barely scratched the surface. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, like I said, I mean, that one thing, like you said, well, what do you do with it? I don't know, other than that it's beautiful. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. And it's in there, and yeah. then I'm going to be digging in it probably for the next 10 years to figure yeah. that out because it's in there. It's yeah. the Word of God. It's breathed by the Lord. John wrote it, crafted it very intentionally uh, after studying the beginning of Genesis mm-hmm. and also being inspired by the same spirit that inspired that poem, yeah. poem yeah. that opens up Genesis. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's wonderful. I really love the fact that even in our planning, we started off of going like, I think the distracting thing as it comes to this book is somehow we remove Jesus from the scene yeah. and, you know, and he's almost like this uh, fairy godfather who's just going to make it, you know, he's going to, he's like this warrior god, but then he's like, look at all these rewards. And and so I think John does such a good job of saying, let me actually tell you who this is about. Yeah. And yeah. I think for some reason, because of we get caught up into all this eschatology and all this end time stuff, and, mm. and then we contextualize that to, is it now? Is now the time yeah. that we miss Jesus? So mm-hmm. why don't you yeah. talk about, I'm curious, like, why did why did you choose to start with Jesus? Like, we started this whole thing yeah. on Halloween, by the way, with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> simply, like, Revelation, obviously— in Revelation 1, it all begins with John, who's in the Spirit on the Lord's day, yeah. hears a voice behind him, and he turns to see the voice. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus, right? <laughs> so it begins with the revelation of Jesus, and then Jesus says, I got some information I want you to write down in a letter and send to the churches. Mm-hmm. And then in the messages to the seven churches, each of them starts out with, a, with, a, with an aspect of that vision that John mm-hmm. said. You know whether it's Jesus's head or his 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 body or what he's wearing or or what's in his hands. Like so, the Revelation one vision of Jesus is now parsed out to each of the seven churches in the in Revelation two and three, and then and then as you look through you know Revelation four and five, Revelation you know six through nineteen being this tribulation time, and then all of that ends with Jesus appearing again. So you have you have and this is I think what you're talking about with the the symmetry of the poetry. So. You've got four and five show Jesus coming up to open the scroll that's on the lap of the one who sits on the throne, which basically creates Revelation 6 through 19, the tribulation, with all of the, you know, seals, judgments, and, mm. and then the trumpet judgments and the, and the um, bowl judgments. And then that concludes with Jesus now, you know, not opening up a book, but now riding a horse and you know, coming into town. And, and so it's, it's just, I mean, Jesus is the point of the whole, of the whole message. And uh, I think you're right that sometimes we, 
we can just we see all of the scary things and that's all we remember mm. is what scared us yeah. instead yeah. like instead of remembering that the whole point of the story is revelation 19 20 21 yeah. 22 yeah. all yeah. the scary things are gone forevermore mm. And yet, for whatever reason, that's all we remember. And, and Eugene yeah. Peterson, in his book, remember he was talking about the toothache? Oh, yeah. Mm. He's like, if I have a toothache, it doesn't matter if the rest of my body's functioning really, really well yeah. and everything's <laughs> exactly. good. Yeah. All I can think about is the toothache. And he's like, mm. in Revelation, you got to be careful that you don't, get, you don't just focus on the toothache. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's where your message, I thought, mm. was so— I, I just agree. loved how you brought in, like, everything we do affects two realms. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and so, you know, Jesus— He's not the Lord of heaven. Yeah. He's the Lord of heaven and yeah. earth. Yeah. And that's where my, the one thing I, you're talking about nuggets that we, I kept trying to jam a timeline, like an <laughs> eschatological timeline yeah. into all of my messages. And, and I just, I want it because I, I, it's so exciting to me to know that like the kingdom of, of God is, it has no beginning and no end. Mm. But then somewhere along the timeline, mm. there is this beginning of God created mm. the heavens mm. and the earth. And then in the end of Revelation, you have there is a new heaven and, and, and a new yeah, earth. Of course. Now, the kingdom of God, you know, supersedes and it, all of those things. And basically, you know, you've got these two realms that are coexisting, yeah. you know, all throughout time. And from, from these realms, God is, is calling people into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. So we'll be yeah. called it, but these two realms exist, yeah. and Jesus is the Lord of both of those realms. Well, yeah. and, and navigated yeah. both of well, them. Well, and it's yeah. interesting because, th- in the context of when this is being like Gnostic, like mm-hmm. theology is prep. So you know now you have Plato. So you have these two different ones, really good, yeah. ones really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. in in the culmination of Jesus is like, no, we mm-hmm. came. Like yeah, he moved, yeah. you know, he yeah, moved yeah. into the neighborhood. He yeah. incarnated. And so, but yeah. we don't like thinking about, we go, no, no, there's one really good one that's far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's this really bad reality, yeah. right? Like, and so we got to yeah. get out of here. You know, yeah. we got to yeah. escape. And all throughout the book, it's like, no, 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 no. Let me, let me yeah. show you this greater reality that's going on. Yeah. So I think that's just like that language, the way he brings it about, the try, he's trying to help. And I thought you did such a good job of going, Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. We have got, well, who is he talking to as we, he begins yeah. these letters? Yeah. We've got to deal with that. And I think yeah. within a Christian community, I think that Gnosticism or Platonic thinking or whatever, yeah. like I think it is as pervasive today yeah. as it was yeah. back then. Well, it's it just even looks like, different yeah, now. The, yeah, and yeah. the Eastern yeah. reality. Oh, totally, totally. As well, like Buddhism, the goal. The goal of Buddhism is to escape. Yeah. yeah. It's to it's actually yeah. transcend yeah. out yeah. of yeah. Everything that is natural, even in your relationships, even like yeah. to to escape from. And I just feel like that's such a honestly lame yeah. reward. Like that's yeah, yeah, the goal. Yeah. And and then you know when you think about the Muslim yeah. kind of rewards. And, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not an expert in Islam or anything. I know there's more to it, but like we've heard, you know, one of the rewards is you get virgins. Yeah. Like if you really stay faithful to the end and you're martyred, you'll be given virgins. And yeah. I just think. <laughs> what? Like, well, yeah, like in Mormonism, you have planets and you, you have get to yeah. celestial yeah. sex yeah, yeah, for the rest of your life. You get to populate your And that's where I just yeah. like, that's the message that we did on rewards. I just yeah. thought, even if all we had was the depiction of the rewards, that would be mm. enough for us to go, this is the right yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This yeah, is the yeah, one yeah, that, yeah. Is, yeah. that is yeah. that is right. These are like selfish. These are yeah. these mm-hmm. are self-centered. These yeah. are, and that going back to that communal, like, 
so much of the rewards have to do with intimacy and yeah, belonging. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And that's what I, I was struck with and trying to draw out in my message too. I just thought, yeah. even if it was just the, the, the rewards promised, yeah. I think we could, we could determine this God, whoever this is, this is the yeah. real, like this is, this is good. This yeah. is true goodness and rightness. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. so anyways, I mean, you, your question was about Jesus and we just went <laughs> everywhere. But, but I think that just the reality that, you know, Jesus he invaded earth. Like he came mm. to earth. He didn't think earth was beneath him or worthless yeah, yeah, or just yeah. throw away. Yeah. But he came yeah. to redeem. And that was something that you were you were trying to keep keep us remind you know, stay on focus that yeah. that it's not just about us going to heaven, even though yeah. there is a reality to us going. But it's yeah. like how do we how do we have heaven invade? How do we have yeah. heaven break out right now? The kingdom of heaven is now among you. Yeah. How do we become more aware and more a citizen of that now? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, well, and Jesus' yeah. example. Like Jesus, is, Jesus is our reward today. Yeah. He's also our reward. Yeah. Like that yeah. doesn't yeah. change. Absolutely. Like how yeah. beautiful. Why? Yeah. Why yeah. wait when yeah. right now? Yeah. You know, and I, yeah. I think that's why when starting off this whole thing, of revelation, you go. We we have to start with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. and if we yes. lose sight of that, and and I I really feel like in our culture today we have just lost sight of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. we've thought yeah. we've lost our delight in in Him and His mm. delight in us. Yeah. That He intercedes for We're us. To add to Jesus. He's trying to add to Jesus. Yeah. It's like that Jesus yeah. stuff is cool, but. But it doesn't really work because we're no more enlightened or whatever. So we exactly. gotta add to exactly. Jesus. Exactly, add yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's like, no, no, no. We have to start here. And yeah. as we start here, it'll start impacting the rest of how we kind of one, I think one read the letter, yeah. but also contextually how it impacts my yeah. today. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it's a love, it's a love for scripture too, that I think in mm. so many ways in the season we've been kind of coming back to, you know. I love scripture. Um, and we there's so <laughs> many like I think if I've heard anything at our church that I go, yes, they're like, this is a place where you love cracking open scripture. You have this expect, like this expectancy when you're cracking open scripture um, and loving the word of God. And I think that was one of the things that came out so much in the series is going, gosh, I am. I love how much this is speaking to so many different things. And when we we're talking about the spirit realms, it's like at me as a speaker, I feel very much like you. I'm always trying to go. How can I make this really practical? How can I pull it down into the the world that I'm touching and I'm uh, and I could feel and I can they could leave here going okay now I know what to do you know, but you get so hit with the word of God in in the the two spirit realms where you go no to the angel of that church all of a sudden it cracks your brain open a little bit and you go no there is this other reality that we are a part of that it's so easy to discount or even to just like hold out, you know, and go, well, one day we'll get there. One day heaven's going to be awesome. But there is a here and now aspect to the kingdom of God. And ultimately, it was like the thing that led me to that that verse in Ephesians, which Goodness. really to me, I'm like, I could that just passage. <laughs> I was like, man, what do I do with that? So <laughs> I so I found I found that passage and I I read it and I was like, can this really mean what it says it's it's saying you know like it doesn't really mean that and i remember i took i went out to lunch what, with what you talking about? I'll, I'll so, uh, so so ephesians can... ephesians 310 yeah that would be that would be awesome um so i went well, out just to lunch summarize the verse real quick yeah, yeah yeah i mean basically it's it's through the through the church through through you and i through very normal people um 
the the angelic realm is learning about the character of God. Oh, the great. manifold wisdom. So it says, <laughs> so, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And I remember reading that, and it was like, you know, it was like Elf. I was going, yes, you know, Isn't this is, been, yeah. like, this is, like, I can't believe that this says this, you know. So I went out to lunch with Daniel Riccio, which is what you should do if you're like, does this really say that? And I remember meeting with Daniel, and he's like, yeah, that's, that really is, <laughs> that's, that's what it says, you know. And to, again, to understand the power of the body of Christ, the power of this great movement that we're a part of called the church, yes, it's practical. Yes, there are some things that it's like, we need to, we need to do this and we need to not do that. But there are those moments where you realize, gosh, we are part of something that is so magnificent and beautiful and powerful and almost scary because you're going, the angels are learning about the character of God by looking at us in the church. Mm. And it is that spirit realm. It's that understanding that, um, that there is a greater reality that we're up against. And even when you're talking about other religions, it's like mm. their idea of heaven is that they take some earthly things and we get to do those more later. And mm -hmm. it's like... No, this idea of heaven is this completely different realm that we've been designed to live in. And it's mm -hmm. like we we long to be there because we're designed to be there. But it's more like the Lord of the Rings than it is like this sort of practical sort of thing. You know, it's this wild world. And that's the thing about Revelation. But I, so I was thinking as you were talking, like, again, my imagination gets a little carried away. So that's <laughs> yeah, why yeah, I love it. Right. But, but just like you roll, you 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 show up into heaven and you, you get these in, kind of angelic and they go, we've been watching you. Yeah. Like, thank you so much. And like that being yes. like this very overwhelming thought of going like, yeah. wait, wait, I matter? Like what yes. I do matters he yeah. here? Yeah. Like yeah. it matters. Yeah. And this is where, again, that you start to break down that divide between kind yeah. of the spiritual and this earthly. And no, 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 no. Like, it's yeah. coming together. And the well, angelic realm, the, and it's like, fear not these crazy yeah. angels yeah, yeah, yeah. show up yeah. and go, David, you taught me this about the character of God. It'd be like, what? <laughs> well, and that's where, you know, the couple of the verses, and your message sparked all this, but it was like, um, when we got to the whole, I have this against you. Yeah. And, and one of the things is, if you don't fix this, you're going to lose your lampstand. Yeah. And so it was yeah. like, there was something supernatural and spiritual and angelic that was that was placed within each of the communities that made up the whole of the church and and but there was there was there was it was in jeopardy yeah like you you can't just do whatever you want and expect yeah. that supernatural reality to continue to be there kind of like yeah. when it says that Samson you know sure. when they finally cut his hair he got up and went to fight everybody but he didn't know that the spirit yeah, had left, left him yeah. which is like yeah. the saddest verse in the bible right yeah. mm -hmm. and and yeah. so that reality of grieving the spirit or if there's but then it, when when you're talking about the angels you know, there's the weird verse that basically women should wear the head covering yeah. for the sake of the angels. And you're just like, that's just a verse that's like, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah, good. What? What's the next one? You know, Paul, shoot me another one. Yeah, yeah, um, shoot me another one. Like, yeah, we, we were taking text messages. It's like, okay, Dalton, you need to filter those before you send yeah, them. You know, like, yeah. It's like, no, we got to say but, it. Yeah, and but again, I'm with not it? trying to unpack that right now. But, uh, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's as if there's, there are things that we do in our community that can cause that supernatural reality to get uncomfortable mm. and to depart. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you think of Jesus after his temptation, it says, and then the angels came and ministered. Yeah. To him. Mm. There's a reality that, I mean, we don't give credit to, but there, yeah. there are, 
There are angelic beings always that are ministering to the saints. Yeah. They're learning from us too, but they're also yeah. supplying and ministering yeah. to us. Yeah. And it's like, I think when Jesus is saying, you know, I want you to work on this false teaching things that you're not just, you're not doing false teaching, you're tolerating false teaching yeah. in your community. And if you don't do that, then you're in jeopardy of losing this like supernatural help ministry of the angels, lampstand, spirit. Yeah, yeah. Like all these, yeah, all that. And, yeah. and, and like for us, we're all, we've worked with people, we've worked with communities, we've developed communities, we're a part of a community. It's like, yeah. we need all the help we can get. You know? yeah. Yeah. I, we, we are 100% every day aware of how little we have against the challenges that we face, how yeah. much of a lack there is in us. Mm. So we want that. And that's where it was like ominous in some ways to speak to what the Lord has against us, especially when I, you know, I felt like I was supposed to name some of the false oh, yeah. teachings that yeah. that we have to guard against today. Yeah, super light sermon. And then actually, but then not just say those things, but then you know recognize, and we've been doing a little bit of that in our fellowship, saying, okay, what are some of the false teachings that we think yeah. are here? And then having some of those conversations yeah. with people to say, hey, we don't want to lose whatever angels we got. (laughs) We don't want to lose our lampstand. We don't want to, you know, grieve the spirit. We, we want, we want the fullness of whatever the Lord has for us in the supernatural as well as in the natural. So we're going to honor the scriptures. We're going to honor the way of Jesus as best we can. And that's, that's, you know, causes some challenges today's society. Otherwise, but we're just a social club. if we don't. Exactly. And that's where the spirit realm affects that. Cause at some point you go, okay, on the positive side, angels are learning about the character. That's so beautiful and wonderful on the negative side though. You go, you can lose this lampstand, which you don't want to lose that, you know, like you, there, there is a light of anointing. There is something spiritual that's over that house and you don't want to, you don't want to lose it. And that's why we have conversations about false teaching, not because it's mm-hmm. fun and we love to do it, but because we don't want to lose that lampstand. And it's like, God, we we are resting our our hope, our trust, our perspective on you, trusting that having these hard conversations is something that you honor because you tell us in scripture that you honor. It, you yeah, know? and I, I'm, I'm always like, I, I've been on this new thing. I don't think, you know, Satan is all that creative. He no. just keeps doing and rewrapping the same, like yeah. what we're going we're through right now. Dumb. Yeah, we're just, yeah. no, no, truly, which is why we yeah. need the spirit. Yeah. Like yes. I, I think one of the more convicting things as a part of your message was Jesus himself said, I must go away yeah. so the helper can come, so the spirit can come, and you're going to do greater things than even yeah. I did. Yeah. Like, what? What? <laughs> you know, like, you yeah. know, and I always say like, a really bad leadership move, you know, was like Jesus ascending into heaven. I mean, if you're yeah. the disciples, you're like, no, no, no. We just like, we yeah. finally all believe in you. We've had you for like, three years. Yeah, we've had three. Yeah, like we just, just did it. Like I get it now. Yeah. I get it. And he's like, I must go away. You so, just rose from the dead. Just, yeah. We can capitalize well, let's do this, on this, man. We can do this. I got a great marketing plan. Yeah. We can parade you through those same villages. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, no. You're going to do greater things because of the spirits. Acts mm. 2 rolls in. and But I just yeah. think we keep like, I think Francis and his forgotten God, it's, I think mm. it's such great language yeah. around what we do with the spirit. Yes. You know, yeah. what the spiritual realm. It is yeah. this kind of forgotten thing, and it becomes, we've become um, inebriated with ordinary. Yeah. You know, when there's yeah. this fear, and that's why I think, like, 
you know, so much of Revelation is about opening our eyes, creating an imagination, mystery. Like, and it's it's like, no, 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 this is deeper. This is richer. There's more. And yeah. so yes, I think absolutely. that's a part of what you were trying to draw out. Now people go crazy with that. Yeah, for sure. And it becomes yeah. all kinds of nutso stuff that doesn't get aligned with Scripture, which yeah. Scripture creates that great accountability for us. Yeah. But I do think, and I would say for me, in particular and personal, I think I devalue the mm. power of the Spirit's work yeah. in my life and in the life of the body of Christ. And that's convicting. Like, I feel yeah. like, Lord, I feel that lampstand. You know, I do. Mm. And I feel like I'm maybe not slowing down enough to listen. Yeah. Not slowing yeah. down. It's almost like he wants to go, like, slow down. Yeah. There's a bunch of gnarly stuff that's going on. There's a bunch of positive stuff. You got to yeah. slow down yeah. and you got to yeah. listen to what the Spirit's trying to convict and guide. So, yeah. anyway, absolutely. I was yeah, like absolutely. deeply convicted by that, that whole That like, reverse thunder going back to that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's. <laughs> I you, love you. Yeah, we are going <laughs> exactly what about you that just book. said. Yeah. He said, I read Revelation not to get more information, but to revive my imagination. Exactly. Mm. And uh, you can tweet that. That, yeah. like, that'll, yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. if people still do Twitter. Yeah. But, yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Ryan, I'm wondering, uh, uh, before we move a little bit down the line of yeah. the sermon, is there any other those nuggets that came out of your message that you, you want to just squeeze out real well, quick? Well, so I, uh, as I was reading over those letters, really mm -hmm. what, what stuck out to me was there was like these two sort of bookend ideas that were coming through. Yeah. So the first was to the angel uh, which uh, was a, really came from a commentary from a guy named Beale that mm. I think is a really great commentary. Um, I heard an interview with Beale, and he said, the more you study Revelation, the less confident you are in <laughs> you know. And I heard that, and I was like, i got to yes. get this guy's book. Like, yeah, this yeah. sounds awesome. And he, he really he talked about that a lot. So that was the, the, to, the to the angel that really informed that spirit realm sort of idea. The other thing is at the end of each of these sections to the churches, he finished by saying, he who has ear to hear. Um, and what I, I started looking at was the parable of the sower. And this was, this was a, I had to just lightly touch on this because otherwise I was going to get sucked into a two-hour sermon. But the parable of the sower, um, when you're scattering the seed and some, some goes to, you know, just hits the ground, doesn't grow up. Some goes into shallow soil and grows really quickly, but gets choked out. So there's like all these different things that are going on. But the parallel that came in is when he's explaining it to the disciples, Jesus says, what this is, is hearing the word of God. Mm -hmm. And what that started to bring up in me is going, okay, well, what is, what's like, what's the the state of my hearing right now? Like, am I hearing the word of God? And we've all interacted with people that you, you share some nugget from the Bible, you're like, this is beautiful and powerful, and they go, meh, you know. Mm -hmm. And you, you interact with people who have calloused ears or mm -hmm. they've been choked out. And so this imagery of how is your hearing when it comes to the word of God, how is your hearing when it comes to mm. hearing about the kingdom, mm. that was something that I thought, gosh, I wish I could expand that more but honestly it was like that that was a thing for me personally that started to really minister to me as i was preparing going okay what is the nature of my hearing right now is everything bouncing off the calloused ear which i think we can get right now if you're diving into the news a little bit too hard yeah. right now you mm. get that um 
if you get into, I mean, there's so many things that can bring that sort of callousness Even when just it comes to the word business. of God. Just, your mm -hmm. ears are just too full. Busyness, yeah. You got no, there's no room. For yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's all these things that the nature of your hearing mm -hmm. uh, can be diminished. And so that was the question at the end of the sermon. That was the thing that really elicited a response yeah. from me going, mm -hmm. okay, where, where am I at with that? Is my hearing one of those things? And, and ultimately, this is the thing I couldn't go down. Ultimately, the state of your hearing dictates the amount of fruit that you produce in your life. Mm. And I started to go, okay, so hearing from the word of God when it comes to fertile soil, when it comes to a fertile place mm. for the word of God to settle into, Jesus goes, and then it, it yields a ton of fruit in your life. And I thought, Lord, we need fertile ground for the word of God to sit in. We need fertile ground. We need people that have ears that are healthy, yeah. that are not calloused, that can really let the word of God seep, seep in. And ultimately what it leads to is the thing we're all hungry for, and that's more fruit in our life, more, more fruit of what Jesus is doing in our neighbors and our family and all of that, but it comes out of that practicality of this. But that's a work, like, that's a work he's doing in you. Yeah. Because I think like, yeah. I'm making, I'm producing all this fruit. It's like, well, yeah. It's the work he's doing in you. The byproduct of that is fruit. Yes. Yeah. But when you're hearing the word of God yeah. and it's settling into a healthy heart, it's settling into healthy soil, it yields more fruit in mm. an effortless sort of way. It's like those seeds aren't working any harder. You yeah. know, like this seed mm. didn't work. Mm. It's didn't abiding. That's a good word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, that's it's the vine. It's the soil. And, yeah. You know, it's still, it's still, you know, it's it's Jesus that brings that. It's the same thing that Paul talks yeah. about. Some people plant, some people water and everything else, but but God brings the increase. But when the soil of your heart is is not good, it really does affect the fruit of your life, you know? Yeah. That's so. a good word, man. Like, I'm just imagining the seed in the ground. It's like, it's not like the seed's like, <gasps> you know, it's like yeah. there's this work that's being done on the mm -hmm. seed and he's just, you know, germinating in it, yeah. you know, and, 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 yeah. and living out of it. Like, and some good, of the seeds that word. produce the biggest, strongest trees are the slowest growing, yeah. you know, like yeah. an oak tree grows really slow, you know? <laughs> But again, that seed having that fertile ground. So that was really, I think, the end of my message. That was mm. the thing that I thought, he who has ear to hear really does speak to us as a, as a culture, as a society. Yeah. Are we so distracted by the noise that we, mm. we have unhealthy yeah. hearing? And we have to really start looking at that. Yeah. I think maybe one of the most countercultural things that we could do that would bear significant fruit is the practice of silence. Yeah. You know, I think <laughs> yeah, Henry Nouwen's sure. book, The Way of the Heart, Ooh. you know, he spends a third of it just diving really hard into that, you know, the Desert Fathers and how important it was for them to get silent. And and how lucky are they that they lived in an era before, you know, TV and cell phones and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. but like, you know, when was the last time you just get silent, turn it all off, and you hear the ringing in your ears, you know, to yeah. wait and to be still and to just try to have, like, one thing of just adoration for the Lord on your heart, on your mind, and just see if he's going to say anything. Yeah, I heard I heard something recently about the Desert Fathers and getting that they got silent not to get away, but to make an impact. Mm. So I think this yeah. idea that they ran away to get quiet, no, they got quiet so that they can yeah. impact. They, and I thought, well, that's an interesting, because I think the ascetics were the mm -hmm. ones who, like, it became this getaway, you know, uh, run away, you know, mm. and it's like, no, no, you get quiet and you connect yeah. with the Lord so that you can be in the culture that he's called you to yeah. in incarnate and be in. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I think the right. other thing is community, you know, community is so important. Silence is important, but I think, um, it's been the thing this, this season that's mm. been so quick. People have been so fast to cut out, mm. you know, 
community in your life. Mm -hmm. And that's when one of the things I loved about your message. It's like, there's so many of the messages that as we were talking through it, it's like a whole message was born reading between the lines and some yeah. of this, which I know some of that sounds dangerous, but really like, like what I was talking about with that bookend thing going, mm -hmm. wow, I didn't pay attention to that. One of the things that came out is there is one letter to seven churches. Yeah. And of course, Jeff was like, yeah, yeah, that's true, you know? And, but I loved what you had to say about unity mm. and the power that happens in community. Uh, you know, maybe share a little bit about that too, a little unpacking of that. Yeah, and I really came through David's stuff uh, as he walked us through wins and losses. Well, like there's a collective way of going, we're all winning and we're all losing here. And we all need it. He wasn't calling out individuals. He was saying, you as a community, I have this again. And that, that thing was an archetype for what he was saying to the church. You know, there was, there's more than seven churches. Yep. So yeah. this letter was to be just continued to be distributed yep. so that, and we have it now, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. remind us, like, no, these are areas we are winning, and these are areas we continue to lose in. And it yeah. and it impacts that lampstand. It impacts that witness. But yeah. I think what, you know, Satan's always been great at creating myopic realities. Mm -hmm. Just like me, mm -hmm. my personal relationship, you brought that out about uh, this last week, my testimony, like, and how mm -hmm. dangerous that is in the context of, you know, the Spirit is moving amongst us, yeah. and He's trying to draw us together as yeah. one. And there's something very, not just transcendent, mm -hmm. but kingdom, like, in that, in that mm -hmm. we live that out. That's when we feel most like we're a part of the kingdom here. Yeah. Um, and because we're going to get into heaven, that reality of heaven and throne room of like us all, like, again, my imagination runs crazy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's crazy. <laughs> Look at you. You know, like this huge family that's oh, together yeah. and we're yeah. worshiping. Like, that's yeah. what that song. What's that mm -hmm. song? It makes me cry every single time. Uh, um, and we did it this Sunday. Oh, praise the name. Oh, praise the, the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. Because yeah. I just in my imagination, hmm. I have us Jesus and seeing him and us yeah. all worshiping together and going, what were we doing on earth? Yeah. yeah. Why yeah. didn't we do this yeah. now? The, Why bride, the bride will come together oh. and sing, you're beautiful. Oh, yeah, 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 my yeah, totally. goodness. Yeah. And I just, yeah. but I just see brothers and sisters in all different cultures and all, you know, no slave, no free, no Jew, yeah. no yeah. Gentile, like everyone's worshiping Jesus. And that's the focus. And it's like, why, why do we continue to run against that here? Yeah. Why? When you're talking about community, abiding, you know, um, mm. I, it's funny, the word abide, that's what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you'll bear much fruit. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think it's interesting when you're saying the soil is more your ears than your heart. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of an interesting <laughs> picture. But I think there's some truth to that. And, yeah. and But it's ultimately, it's, a, it's, it's once you've heard the word, you receive the word, and you abide in the word. Mm. And, and the abiding in the word is so important. The abiding in the scriptures yeah. is so important. The abiding in the community of faith yeah. is so important. The abiding in, you know, the practices of silence or solitude or whatever it might be. Yeah. Like th there's this abiding that's necessary. And that word is so nice mm -hmm. and sounds so good. But in Revelation, the abiding is rough, right? <laughs> oh, the yeah. abiding, that's where we, the idea of prudent resistance, exactly. patient endurance. Yeah. Mm -hmm is what is is the way the abiding is described and played out and there even uh, yeah. you know martyrs yeah under the throne who mm -hmm. they've already been killed <laughs> for their faith they they abided to the end yeah. they they patiently endured prudently resisted to the end and it cost them their life and now they are under the throne mm -hmm. 
saying how long how yeah long? how long like, yeah how long yeah. do we have to wait like you didn't come through for us in the in the natural <laughs> yeah, yeah, life yeah, yeah, yeah. now we're here in now this afterlife yeah, yeah. and we're still waiting for you to bring about the redemption the restoration yeah. the the vindication whatever it yeah. might be yeah. And uh, and so there's this this there's this reality too, and and I just I couldn't get away from it. Revelation is oh. calling the saints mm. to patient endurance yeah. Yeah. and prudent resistance. Yeah. Like yes. that is what we are called to do. And yeah. and how does that play out? Well, that means you have to abide in Christ. Mm-hmm. And where is Christ found? He's found in the volume of the book. Mm-hmm. It's written of Him. So this this Bible that we have. That is going under great challenge yeah. and great. Mm. Oh, let, let, we can take some of it, but not all of it. Yeah. Like some of it's inspired, some of it's not. Some yeah. of it's authoritative, some of it's not. Yeah. And uh, it needs to be coupled with our new internet and intellect. You know, yeah. like yeah. It, no, we abide in it. Yeah. And as soon as we start to try and make it surround us wherever we want to be, yeah. we're not yeah. abiding in it. Like yeah. we we need to abide in there. And then the yeah. community. Mm. I mean. For whatever, like the, the the big attack against the evangelical church, right? It's such an evil entity, and and I, not to say it hasn't done evil, and and yeah. not to say there hasn't been a mess, but it's also been the single most dominant force for good yeah. the world has ever seen, mm-hmm. yeah. any age, any time frame, any place you want to yes. go, yeah. and so I don't feel any desire to divorce myself or distance myself from the evangelical church, even yeah. though it could use some reformation. It's gotten sure. some things yeah. that we need to unpack. Yeah. We got to abide in the bride. We have to abide yeah. in the in the place where the spirit dwells. Yeah. Otherwise, we're we're pulling ourselves away. And yeah. if we don't abide there, yeah. we're not going to bear the yeah. fruit. Yeah. That's and a, and abiding is consummation yeah. language. Mm-hmm. It's consummation. So and, and it shouldn't I mean, Paul's going like I'm crucified with Christ. That's abiding language. Yes. We are we are abiding with him. Andrew Murray wrote this awesome book mm-hmm. called Abiding in Christ. I'm going to butcher this quote, but it says something like <laughs> Abiding in Christ is meant for the weak and feeble and is so mm. rightly suited for them. It's not yeah. the bringing of something strong before a mighty God, yeah. but simply submitting one's weakness to the one mm. who is strong, which is like this. Why do we have scripture? Yeah. Because we're weak. Yeah. Because yeah. we're going to be swayed to the left yeah. and to the right. And yeah. here is this consummation he's inviting us into. This, this anchor. This yes. anchor that he's pulling us, pulling us into. And yeah. you can just... Bank, just go down church history yep. and watch where we went sideways. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to see we diluted. Part of that anchor is community too. You know? And I think that's the thing that we see. Like the people that are most separated from community are the ones that are most vulnerable when it comes to going, yeah, you know what? I don't know if I believe that anymore. And I don't know about this. You know, we watched it in our own community, the people that the enemy picked off. And there's something mm. so beautiful about community Uh one of the things that, that stuck out to me when you, when you were just talking is in in Matthew 24 when Jesus says um, at the end in the end of days there there will be a lawlessness and the love of many will grow cold mm-hmm. and again talking about I have this against you though it doesn't sound really loving for our community it's actually some of the most loving things that we can do mm-hmm. for all of us for each other because all of us are prone to wander. And when we're in community, we get to challenge one another and challenge ourselves to be uncomfortable in this community of believers. But ultimately, this lawlessness that the world is going, it's so great to just untether yourself from the law. You don't even need that. What it leads to is actually less love, Mm. which is what the world tells us. Like, if you just untether yourself from law, then you're going to be great. You're going to be more loving and more caring. 
But what we see is what Jesus is saying is the opposite is true. When you love law and you keep each other accountable and and you challenge each other going, the Lord does not say that's good. We've, we're going to have to remove that, you know. That actually increases the love of the community. I actually think most of what we... Um, most of what we call love is very unloving. Yeah. Like it's enablement. Yeah. Like it's just like, if I love you, that means I don't challenge you. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, no, loving is, I see something and yeah. I want to talk about that. Civil discourse is a loving thing. Yeah. Like it's not, but somehow it's, it's now like yeah. you hate community. You hate, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying I'm right. Now that's, yeah. that's sure. We got to sure. deal with our own roots of pride there. Sure. But I love you, and that's why I'm saying this to you. And that's why, I mean, all right, here's the soapbox moment for me. I just get, like, community groups I think are really important. Mm-hmm. Like, but it, you know, for me, I'm like, community groups were developed over the last, what, 30 years, you know, yeah. as far as a branding. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are we up and to the right as it relates to being an influence in the culture as a, as a, as a result of adopting something called community groups or small mm-hmm. groups? Yeah. And what happened? Yeah. I think we stopped being honest with one another. Yeah. We stopped. We just all get together. I've heard of small groups mm-hmm. together 10, 15 years. And it's like, this couple got divorced and this person's yeah. an alcoholic. And yeah. they never talked to me. It's like, this <laughs> yes. is what this is what yeah. was being ha- happening here that you were drawing out. I was going, yes. we're winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we got to deal with the losses, too. Yes. And we actually got to talk about this because what you do impacts me. Yeah. And what I do impacts you. Yeah, and absolutely. we have to deal with that and get honest with that and honest with one another. But we're so afraid of offending people. Yeah. We're so afraid of hurting people's feelings. That is very unloving. Yeah. That's one of the things I love about David because you you do that in such a loving way, but you just keep keep at it. And it's funny. I think most people wouldn't know, but this series, when we first started, the the, the working title was I have this against you. So it was like, which is, which is great. And that's like, that's where it started in those sort of challenges to the community. Um, But I just think, David, you just consistently bring that to the community so well of going, I can't shy away from this. I'm going to have to prayerfully on my knees with humility, loving the people I'm, I'm talking to that I know this affects, but we can't just shy away from this and tuck this under the rug. I hate it. Yeah, but it's <laughs> yeah, hard. Right. It's hard though, right? Yeah, it's so hard. Um, yeah. I heard a guy say one time that humility is being the first to mention the elephant in the room, mm. and I was like, <laughs> "What?" Yeah, let me go walk. And on it that. took me. It's just, yeah. and I, but I've yeah. it stuck with me. And and exa- I think it's exactly what you're saying is like true humility is to be the one that says, "Hey, something's off," mm-hmm. and and we should we should address it because I care enough about you. Yeah. I care enough about us mm-hmm. and I care enough about our future to not pretend like there's nothing there, yeah. to not just keep going. And, and that's been hard when, I mean, getting real, when you have, you know, someone in, in our church or someone that's really close to us mm-hmm. in the church um, that's been in leadership and, and they now are convinced that homosexuality is not a sin. Yeah. And you can be monogamous in a homosexual relationship and still honor God. And I love these people, and I, you know, and I, mm. I want to believe that. However, if I'm going to abide in the scriptures, if I'm not going to um, have the scriptures submit to my cultural, you know, kind of internet intellect, I like I'm gonna say internet intellect, yeah. yeah, my internet yeah. intellect. Like I, I'm gonna have to, you know, even though it's so difficult, submit myself to the authority of a of a book that's inspired mm-hmm. by God 
that has been there, done that a lot longer than I have Mm -hmm. been, that has seen the rise and fall of many societies, many people, that is constantly affirmed and confirmed by all social sciences, Mm -hmm. sociology and all of that. Like I'm going to have to go there. And that doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I I don't want the best for you. Mm -hmm. But as a community that's trying to uphold some sort of boundary that I feel like is safe and healthy and going to lead us to the good that we're, we're hoping for, as, as, a, as a community shaper and former who represents the leadership here and all that, mm. like I'm, I'm steering our ship into, you know, Orthodox Christianity and, and kind of the, the, the community of faith that's come before us, not just that's changing things right now, and the scriptures. And so we're going to sit there. And that that has caused divide. I mean, there's and it's not just the sexuality teaching. We've had wow. we've had money issues yeah. that where it's yeah. like, yeah. hey, your yeah. your financial ethic <laughs> is is actually causing some real division and dissension. Yeah. And we've got to talk about that. And I love you. And and what I've done is saying, can can we decide what to do? I'm not telling you, hey, this is what you have to do. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm saying, hey, I trust you. And some people we have to tell them, you know, you. <laughs> You, who are you? We don't even know who you are and you're doing this. So you yeah, got to yeah, go. Yeah. But the people that we know that we walk with that are, we're in relationship with, it's like, let's come to this conclusion together mm. and see where the Lord leads. Mm. And um, sometimes it's more of a, a Paul and Barnabas type situation maybe sure. where it's like, okay, there's a disagreement on how we're best going to apply and walk out some of these scriptures, but yeah. we're both still within kind of orthodoxy. Yeah. And then sometimes it's more of a First Corinthians, I think it's six, where it's like, you have to expel the immoral brother mm-hmm. so that they can, you know, be left to their devices. They can be buffeted by Satan. What I mean, there's, yeah. there's harsh yeah. scriptures, but it's like yeah. those are hard passages. These are the ones hard. that, that we have passages. to walk out. Yeah, we can't just pick and choose, you know. To. But no. but but can we walk those out with grace yes. and truth and love, kind of like Jesus did? Yeah. And uh, it's it's really been awesome to mm-hmm. see the glory of the Lord revealed in those really difficult, hard things, even though, like, you know, you're just sad for days and can't mm-hmm. sleep. And but that's that. the, you know, to that point, I think what most people don't realize, and I think this is helpful for people on the other side, is, like, the grieving that goes a part of presenting mm-hmm. God's truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I, I find myself a lot, like, up there on that mountaintop. We talked about this a little bit. Like, with Jesus, as he's about to enter, you know, he's just he's about to enter into Jerusalem to be crucified, and he's, like, yeah. weeping. Yeah. He's, like, yeah. weeping because he's, like, a shepherd to the sheep, mm-hmm. and they've killed the prophets. And, you know, he's, yeah. like, weeping. And I, I think a lot of times as we, we kind of prepare and get ready, it's not just about doing the study. It is. Yeah. But it's, like, whew, how do I prepare my heart, yeah. you know, to, to communicate things? Mm. I, I believe myself, um, so I'm asking to be sanctified in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now I have to go stand in front of a bunch of people and go, this is what mm. I believe is truth. Mm. Like, yeah. that's, yeah. And it, especially that's as it relates to revelation, yeah. it's weighty. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. really, really weighty. That's my, yeah. that's my joke to people sometimes on Sunday mornings. Like, hey, if this is hard for you, just remember— You've got this for about 30 minutes on Sunday morning. <laughs> I've been sitting in this hard stuff for a week, yeah. maybe even more. You know? so, yeah, and I'm trying yeah. to up. Yeah, and I'm trying to and I'm not trying to repent through my own, you know, like and yeah. then trying to bring people yeah. around me like you were talking yeah. about like 
going out with Radicchio and just going like, dude, I need I need that community around me to yeah. help me kind of work through these things. Yeah. But I think that's the beauty of when you're teaching or coming together. The danger yeah. is that myopia. Yeah, the, for the, sure. But the yeah. beauty, even in this particular thing, is us, yeah. us coming together yeah. and wearing a collective weight on what was going to be presented and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of encouraging one another yeah. afterwards. Like, I think it's a really important thing for I think people to understand as it relates to communicating God's word. Yeah. Is it's a heavy in a genuine way. In a genuine way that's heavy. I mean, there's so many people we know that I mean, what you were just saying, what gives it power is the love behind it. Mm. But there's so many people that I've come across that relish talking about like pushing people out of the community a little too much. And you're like, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't like this. Like this is not something this is painful to walk through. And if you enjoy it, there's probably something a little bit wrong. I'd be like, I, you off. know, as far yeah. as the body illustration, ah, I hate this pinky. Like, I'm so, I can't wait for it to can't get, you know, to I just, this I've had this, you know, yeah. like hangnail in there and I can't <laughs> wait to chop the whole thing off. It's yes. like, no, we should grieve that yeah. loss that happens, you yeah. know, like, you know, in India, there's leprosy. And when those parts deteriorate and they fall off, the community grieves yeah. because they've been seeing this. So it's a grievous process, not yeah. something we're like, yeah, get ready, yeah. forget them. And, yeah. and yeah. I, I think that's why we become a mockery in our community and our culture because the delight in that is so unbiblical it's so unbiblical we need to grieve you know we need to join jesus on that mountaintop and we need to shed some tears because it's painful it's really really painful i think it's worth saying i was reading uh, in a book recently they were talking uh and i won't get into this facet too much but they were talking about shame um, and particularly, they were talking about the fact that shame is one of those words that we probably need eight words for, yeah. um, not yeah. just one. Um, because, it, it, yeah, there's just so many different things. But there is a certain type of shame that is the um, that is not to be associated with the sense of, like, being put down and smashed down because, you know, and, and kind of outcast and oppressed yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But is more of the sense of... If I the, the kind of the the preemptive sense of like oh if I do that that's how I'll feel yeah, um, yeah. and and then there's this other type which is you know me coming to you and say hey if you do that this is this is what'll come of that this is how you'll yeah. feel yeah. Um, and the author's point of this book is to say that that kind of shame is a chainsaw mm. um, yeah. and 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 a lot of us think it's just bad it's evil it's wrong but the thing is like. Chainsaws are great um, yeah. in the right hands. Mm. You know what I mean? Just because you've been, you know, attacked with a chainsaw and cut to pieces yeah. doesn't mean that someone else can't make a beautiful sculpture with that chainsaw. Sure. Um, it's just we have to be really careful when we engage those, those places and those spaces and have these really hard situations. You know, I think any of us yeah. who've, who've been on, on one side of that, being the one wielding the chainsaw, you know it's like this is scary. Like yeah. I'm sitting yeah. here in a situation I'm trying to bring correction, but I'm trying to bring it in a in an us way, not a me yeah. down way. Yeah. But it may turn into a hey, I, I I might be delivering an ultimatum, but I really hope we don't get to that point. Yeah. That's a that's a terrifying place to be in on either side of that. And yeah. so many people have just been abused by the chainsaw yeah. that we throw the baby out with the bathwater and say there's there's no place for that. You do yeah. you, I'll do me. Yeah. You know everything's okay. It, it, but we forget, like you were saying, like no, it's it's so important that we realize that. That what you do affects me. Yeah, um, that yeah. we are a part of each other in a really significant and meaningful and in, in intimate way. Mm-hmm. And it's important to remember that on both sides, right? When yeah. we're receiving the chainsaw, when we're <laughs> wielding it, yeah. you know that what yeah. I do to you in this moment of correction affects mm-hmm. me too. Yeah. Well, uh, and I just think like if you that the early church, which by the way, I think people point to the early church like they had it all figured out. Like, yeah. No. Yeah. But there yeah. is this beauty we see 
them doing what the Lord had asked them to do, and he adds to their number daily. Yeah. He's the one who does it. I have a responsibility yeah. to be a part of a community, a part of a body. He yeah. does that work, that transformational work in people's lives and draws them in. So it's this, yeah. you know, this yeah. is that was that I wanted to talk more about first Peter, where the church is hurting, they're persecuted. What like by, by the way, the revelation to to send this to a church, the vast majority of them are in an immense and dire persecution. <laughs> like, yeah. why yeah. would you send that letter? You, it should just be like, you got this. You, you can do it. This, you got it all you figured out, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, you know, so so Peter's kind of pastoring this community, and they're going, when's he going to return because the persecution's too much? Mm. And he talks to them about, no, 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 you're short-sighted in this because there's a bunch of people who don't know me, don't know yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And that we need, that our obedience, so summarizing, our obedience hastens the day of Christ. Mm -hmm. So if you want to bring Jesus near, we need to start abiding in Christ, abiding in the word of God mm -hmm. and obeying it and living it out of it as a body, yeah. you know, yeah. as a community. He's drawing the church to say, if you really desire that, then honestly, you being righteous and pursuing yeah. after what God, it matters yeah. what you do. Yeah. So what you do actually does matter. Your decisions actually do matter. Yeah. Like your philosophies, your theology, mm -hmm. like all yeah. of it matters because we've seen like, if you like at Thanksgiving, you know, or whatever, when all of a sudden there's that person who thinks like my personal whatever soapbox thing is the thing that needs to get declared over this table, it destroys yeah. the table. Yeah. It destroys yeah. the meal. And everyone has that awkward silence like, dude, Uncle Dan, <laughs> when he comes, in, you know, like it ruins the yeah. table. Instead of Dan submitting himself to going like, no, I actually want to talk about that. How I do it matters. Yeah. And how yeah. I live that out in a family, it matters. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think people, we live in a culture right now where people throw that away so easily, yeah. you know. And the Paul and Bar Barnabas, like you were talking about, I think I think those happen fewer than, than we would think, you mm -hmm. know. I think a lot of us think we have a Paul Barnabas situation. It's like, well, no, I think you're actually still called to keep doing ministry together. Like, <laughs> just yeah. because you had a little disagreement doesn't mean we have a Paul Barnabas right away, you know. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the last resort. But community is worth fighting for. It's worth sticking it out. People throw it away so flippantly these days. Like, oh, I didn't like that one sermon and whatever, and then they move on. But again, 2020 showed us when you separate yourself from community, you should do that with a lot of fear and trembling because now you're going out into no man's land. And it is a dark and lonely place out there that is really, really hard. And that's and a the spiritual enemy has no compassion. And there's a, that's a spiritual attack. Yes. A spiritual yeah. attack on the body of Christ is to divide it. Yes. It's just so we're not again, if you want to these two worlds, they're colliding and yeah. going, that is a spiritual attack again. So but yeah. if we're wise, you know, wise as serpent, soft mm. as does, we can start mm. to go, we are not in a battle against flesh and blood, yeah. Yeah. but against these principalities, these things that are opposing the movement of the kingdom of God here on earth. Mm -hmm. Because when we do that well, people come to know Jesus. Yes. That's why John 17 yeah. is so important. Yeah. Unity isn't mm -hmm. kumbaya. Yeah. Unity is civil discourse. Yeah. Unity is struggle. Yeah. Unity is sitting around that yeah. Thanksgiving table going, I disagree with you. Submitted diversity. You yeah. got yeah. That's a that's great, great. Yeah. That's great. Because I have a greater meta narrative or a greater yeah. calling that people need to come to see yeah. Jesus. And that matters. And we've lost a lot of that yeah. because yeah. we've gotten so myopic in the way we see mm -hmm. issues and we see mm -hmm. the world. And I, I do think that in this particular letter, 
this is what he's drawing them into. But, you know, Paul's doing this all throughout it. Every, all the, all the church fathers are drawing us in. The Nicene Creed, the Apostle Creed, drawing us in because the, the fear is we're going to get divided. And now, you know, 2,000 years later, 45,000 different denominations, we're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I can see why you were fighting for that. Yeah. Jeff, I'm curious uh, if there's any other nuggets that you had out of your notes that didn't come out naturally or if we've been able to get that. I always, yeah, I would always love to talk more about Israel. and you know, and, and mainly because it's a it's a it's a people that he says you'll be my people, I'll be your God, you'll be my people, you'll be a light unto the nation. So I always want to spend more time anchoring the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I th- I think I believe that there are more Old Testament references in the in in the Book of Revelation than any other book in the New Testament, mm. but they're not direct mm. yeah. because he's pulling the language. Of all the old, so yeah. I would have liked to spend a little bit more time, kind of drawing out that the story is not any different. Yeah. And and what we see in the Old Testament is a is a God who is saying, "I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people, and you're going to be a light into the nations." And then really going, but where did it go bad? Where totally. it started to go bad when they decided to. You know, and ahead. they have so fresh in their memory, 70 A.D. Jerusalem was destroyed. You got yeah. it. The you temple was you destroyed, and so John's it. writing. Mm. I mean that's yep. you know if he's it's writing right. eighty yeah, or ninety, it it's like yeah. that's so clear that yep. that God that that just the destruction like yes. to think that God would allow that mm-hmm. and not only the destruction of the temple the destruction of Jerusalem but now the destruction of the Jews and the the the, the Christians mm-hmm. you know that was going on with the persecution in Rome it was just like what is going on oh sure yeah. like how how is it. How does this fit in with our songs? Like you are so good. You are so good. Like how how can we sing the Lord's song in this strange land, um, yeah. which yeah. comes from Psalms, and uh, and and that's John was trying to help. You know that John he's a pastor, he's yep. a theologian, and he's mm-hmm. a prophet or whatever. Mm-hmm. So theologically, he's trying to help his people begin to understand a a philosophy of God, an understanding of God that includes the the pain mm-hmm. that includes the feeling of forsaken. Like, where is God when it hurts? Where is God when, mm-hmm. you know, plans didn't work out? Where is God in the disappointment? And uh, and so he's trying to use apocalyptic literature. He's sure. trying to help us access the Old Testament. He's trying to help these people really begin to understand that, you know, true righteousness um, sometimes looks like patient endurance and, and prudent mm-hmm. resistance. and. Which, by the way, was all, you know in the, the Babylonian, you know, all all, yeah. all throughout their captivity, it's yeah. this like you want this old way of doing things. I've already done that. Yeah, I've got yeah. a new thing that I'm doing. But you, mm. you know, getting back to what yeah. you said, you're not perceiving it. You know, I'm yeah. always bringing water. I'm always yeah. wanting to. I want life and life to the full. Mm. But but you know, Deuteronomy, Moses is ending his his letter by basically going, here's like I forget, it's like forty five verses of here. If you do this. This is what this is how great it's going to be. If you don't do this, there's a whole nother form of that. and warnings. Exactly. And what you see is the the absolutely historical prophetic way in which that played itself out. And now to you know three thousand years or whatever after that you know was written, we're going like, yeah, stuff's not right. Yeah. Like it does. So I would have loved to spend a little bit more time. And kind of root us a little bit into this is not a new thing; it's a very yeah. old thing. Yeah. And then the other thing is, 
Man, I just, John, John is a writer on the whole. Mm-hmm. I, you know, he, historically, his gospel is known as the eagle. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would have loved to bring, I brought out some of this, but I would have loved to talk a little bit. Like, John starts off his gospel, like, in the beginning was the, beginning. the word, the word was with yeah. God, the word was God. He's pointing back to Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's also going, oh, look how holy. And <laughs> yes. then he, like an eagle, like soars above, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all, all the, the, the trees and, and, and the water. And then what happens? We get right into it. Woman at the well. Yeah. First, you yeah. know, a, a, a wedding at Cana. Like he swoops in yeah. and he comes near. Yeah. And so I would have loved to bring in this is uh, revelation is both this very grand vision, but yeah. it's also this nearness. And I think we tend to yeah. see the grand mm-hmm. and we yeah. forget to experience the nearness. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's not yeah. he's not yeah. looking at these churches and going, I'm near. I'm far away. Yeah. He's like I'm near. I'm. I was persecuted. I feel your persecution. You know, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. what is it? Hebrews is like. You know, we have such this great a high priest who can sympathize with yeah. our humanity. Yeah. Yeah. So he's grieving with us. He's hurting with us. When we hurt, he hurts. And that's John doing his the language and the writing of going like, look, he is so far and lifted high and lifted yeah. up, yeah. but he's so near and he's brokenhearted. Yeah. But here's the fulfillment of what that mm-hmm. the holiness looks like and that nearness looks like. Those yeah. two things come together. Heaven's yeah. great. Come together. That's so, beautiful. I, mean, I love, I when, love the, and it came out in the messages, but the idea that John, you know, was the one who laid against Jesus's breast <laughs> at, the, at the Lord's Supper and, and noted that in his book. Oh, yeah, he like, just went, hey, I'm, not, I just want you know. Not just, <laughs> well, not yeah. just that he did that, but that was such a significant moment for him because mm-hmm. of the nearness that he felt mm-hmm. to Jesus, that he actually highlights it, you know, in the book. And uh, and then and then just to think about John, who's there, you know, he's he's been in pain. He's been persecuted. Mm-hmm. He's been exiled, literally, like on the Isle of Patmos. Yeah. And yet he's in the spirit on the Lord's day as an old man, which is just fascinating. Mm. But then Jesus comes near. Oh. Jesus says, hey, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like whatever he said. <laughs> and John turns around, you know, and with his old eyes, with his aching back, mm. with his loneliness, with his, with his yeah. God, mm. with, with his how long, oh, Lord, mm. you know, mm-hmm. till, till, till I get to be near you like I was. Yeah. He turns around and there's Jesus. But it's it's Jesus more real than what he walked with for three years. Like mm. it's it's the real glorified Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And he saw Jesus before resurrection. He saw Jesus transfiguration. Transfiguration. Yeah. He was the only one that was there with Jesus on the cross. Mm. And he saw the the resurrected glorified Jesus before he had gone back to the Father. Yeah. And now he was seeing. It's crazy. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> now he was seeing the Jesus. no preface necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Now the yeah, book yeah. is open. Yeah. Jesus there before yeah. him, and Jesus is near him. Yeah. And again, the rewards just that, that he declares so often have to do with that intimacy. Like yeah. you get a rock that the, the name is only known by you and me. Yeah. It's like yeah. that's some intimacy right there. You get the hidden manna mm. that you've been longing for. And yeah. So I think I, I love that about about John and the, what he was bringing to the table. And how fitting yeah. it is that that's the last book in the Bible. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like that's the thing. You, you, you read and you're like, it's so intimate. And yet it's so prophetic yeah. Oh, yeah. and huge, huge yeah. too, you know? And yeah, it's like, it's, both. it's giving you this beautiful perspective yeah. and this beautiful balance in the intimacy of the Lord, but uh-huh. the greatness of the story that we find ourselves but I was in. thinking like, as a, you know, like as you're talking again, my imagination runs wild, <laughs> but like, you know how like, like when your kids go through something really f- amazing 
and you know they they want to talk, but they talk like and they're giving you all these details. I like got three daughters, yeah, man. Yeah. I got three daughters. <laughs> but it feels like you can feel the excitement, and you can feel him trying to yeah. bring what yeah. he's experiencing, bringing what he's seeing, and he's like, oh wait, 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 and he pulls in the, yeah. this Old yeah. Testament, you know, reference, and then this act of Jesus, and like yeah. he's like working all the way through the whole thing. But you can feel this like there's a pace for there's sure. There's a yeah. pace yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a pace for sure. Like when your kids are talking about something that's they're really excited about it has been maybe they've been anticipating or waiting for yeah. and they're describing it and you're like Whoa. you almost <laughs> yeah. want to like, you know, Jesus, like if you Jesus came it. he's here he's coming yeah. he's here yeah. he's came yeah. he's, yeah. Here. he's, he's just like, like, it's, all, it's all happening at the yeah. same time yeah and he's yeah. destroying all the evils yeah. Yeah. you know you yeah. can feel it yeah. Yeah. yeah one of the things that uh, when you're talking about the rewards one of the little pieces that I found that I was like oh, and part of the problem for me was that my message was in some ways part two of your last yeah, message. Yeah, yeah. Or right? yours was part one, and I, I but I went <laughs> yeah, first. Yeah, but you went first. Yeah. But like, yeah. So like I, like I had to dig into all the stuff you were doing in order to get to where I got to, yeah. you know. And so that that was that just had a wealth of things that I was like, man, I, I, like, I, yeah. I'd, I'd like to do. Can we do it like a sub-series and just do yeah. all this overcoming yeah. stuff? Oh, yeah. But one of the things that I found that was so interesting is the word for overcome, right, in the KO, the same word uh, like mm-hmm. as Nike, right, mm-hmm. uh, which, is the, which is the goddess victory. of victory. Mm-hmm. Right. And what's interesting is that word it's in, it's in the dative. It's in the like receiving the action form. Mm. Right. So actually a slightly better, more like word to word translation might be the one who receives the victory mm. uh. and Nike, what she would do, the, the goddess of, of victory, she would go around on the battlefield flying around with her little wings, <laughs> bestowing wreaths with honor mm-hmm. and glory mm-hmm. and authority on it, mm-hmm. which is so interesting when I, when I was reading through again, that thing I was talking about earlier with all the patterns and yeah, the, the yeah. parallelism mm-hmm. where it's, well, it's, it's eternal life, right? You yeah. get that as a victor. It's, yeah. it's authority and it's glory yeah. that, and it's almost like, like, I wonder, is it polemic, right? Is like, mm-hmm. is, is, is Jesus, is John saying like, like, no, no, not Nike, not this, not this, yeah. not this crazy thing. Like yeah. this is Jesus walking around giving really the victory yeah. so it's not just uh again it's it, there's that communal relational aspect mm. where it's not he who overcomes mm. it's he who receives the victory yeah and then the victory itself is part of the reward mm. but then there's all these other rewards that are layered on top on top on top on top yeah. um, and i just man i thought that was so so beautiful the other thing that that mm. like was just you know hasn't come up at all and I don't, there's just not going to be a smooth transition to this one right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, is you know I spent a lot of time hanging out on the idea of the patron client system um, yeah. and that the Karis and the Pistis and all that kind of stuff and that's way too complicated I think to, to explain right now <laughs> but the thing that that I wasn't able to to express in there that didn't fit in the message really at all was that in the patron client system you don't just have patron and client you also have this mediator mm. um, and so for simplicity I had to kind of cut that out yeah. and that's another one yeah right that'll preach another yeah. thing that just comes up over and over and over and over i mean from the mm. book of job and all i mean it's all through yeah. because the idea of the patron client system an assertion that i'm just starting to try to wrap my mind around is that something like that exists in every collectivist culture mm. um, for some reason it's tied into collectivism. Oh, yeah. i don't understand why yet mm. i mean so you have that so all the way to the beginning of genesis you have and all the way up through the end of you know revelations yeah. it's being written in and to collectivist cultures mm. right so the the language of patron of client of mediator like mm. it's it's so thick and so it's it's useful for us to try to figure out okay what would it be like to live in that in that uh, kind of culture and to understand that. Um, And then what does that mean for what the Bible says about our interactions with one another? Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that was really beautiful that was pointed out in in this book called Misreading Scripture Through Individualist Eyes, which was a huge resource for me, and when they're talking about that that dynamic, 
And part of the problems and the abuse of the patron-client system, however it manifests today, yesterday, tomorrow, this culture, that culture, uh, is is that, uh, and particularly within the church, uh, where we get it wrong, is those who, the, you know, the patron who's giving the cares, who's giving the gift, um, or the person who sees themselves as that within the church, is missing the fact that you, as the wealthy individual with the donation and the gift, mm-hmm. you're not the patron. You're the mediator. Yeah. It's God's charis that you're giving. If you're the mm. one with whatever resource or whatever gift to give, mm. when you give that gift to the client, mm. you're not putting yourself in a position of authority over them. Yeah. You're just yeah, yeah. the you're just the middleman. You're just the go-between. You're connecting yeah. them in relationship with God. Um, and so you don't have strings to pull. Um, I was curious where you read that because I was like, dude, that wasn't any of the commentaries I read. But oh, it was yeah. like, I was like, dude, that's so good. It I was know. so that was so life giving. You yeah, you can't hang out with me lately without <laughs> hearing me talk about the, the two books, which is one is Misreading yeah. Scripture through Western Eyes, and yeah. then the second one, Misreading Scripture through Individualist Eyes. Yeah, yeah, hugely helpful. Uh, and they're yeah. not they're not. You Alex know, really into Misreading Scripture. That's right. Yeah. Really <laughs> like misreading scripture. How to misread scripture? That's my jam. You know, and I love that the, the premise of both of those books is not that, hey, the Western perspective, the individual's mm. perspective, it's wrong. It's just that it's a different lens. It's a lens that most of us in this culture carry. And yeah. we need to be cognizant of the fact that our African brothers and sisters, oh, our yeah. Asian mm-hmm. brothers and sisters, they're reading things differently. And in some cases, more similarly to how the early church, how those yeah. that the oh, Bible yeah. was originally written oh, to yeah. are reading it. In some cases, we come out, you know, right where they'd be wrong. Yeah. Um, but sure. we just need to be aware of that. Yeah, and to write a bunch of writing on that, too, because it's like the Western, you know, so much of our thinking, and even as we come, say, to the book of Revelation, is yeah. impacted by enlight- the Enlightenment, and, like, we don't realize how much that's impacted. So it's always mm-hmm. helpful, like... What's the context of actually the community that's, that's being written yeah, to? Yeah. yeah, this is super helpful. Yeah, but absolutely. I thought that was really, and then I think the other part in yours that was really helpful for me, Mark and uh, Mark Buckley and I were um, golfing yesterday, and we were talking about the that idea of testimony. Isn't this my? It's just my testimony. It's yeah. it's just this thing that we're also participating in, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so again, I think I thought that you did a good job of trying to. Uh, help us understand it's so much bigger than just that personal salvific moment. Yeah. Like it, it's yeah. just this ongoing thing that's happening yeah. mm-hmm. to me, but it's also happening to us. Yeah. So that's where I feel like you tethered those two things together. Mm-hmm. Like even with these this, these churches, that's where it's like, no, our testimony is in our wins and yeah. it's in our losses. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think that I think it's so so so. You know, Mark was like, that was a fresh word. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was so happy. He was Mark's, so excited Mark's about it. Mark's very proud of us sometimes. Oh, yeah. 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 He was awesome. so excited about it. But yeah. yeah. So I know we're getting ready to wind down. But just as a last thought, uh, any uh, we can repeat them. We all we all know that we read some Eugene Peterson on this. But any resources, uh, books, podcasts, classes, anything like that. Uh, to list off here, and we can put them in the description. Um, yeah. But maybe we should go around really quick. Uh, you can just list off your favorites or anything. Yeah, you I think that mention. commentary by Beal was really, really helpful, and you could do a deep dive. And it's funny, it's called a shorter commentary, but it's still <laughs> Not very short. Long. Yeah. yeah, it's very long. Okay. Um, but there was also a podcast that I got introduced to Beal, who's a, a pretty well known guy when it comes to Revelation. Um, and I think it's called How, uh, How to Preach. Uh, how to preach the word, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a great resource. They actually break it out book by book, and they interview people on different books. Uh, that was a really great resource when I was preparing for this. Right? Yeah. yeah, I mean Peterson. I anchor myself um, in him mainly because I just struggle. I, I I would say for most of my life, I've just kind of like put Revelation on the back. It's like oh, it's just like this. 
vision of the future. Mm. And he was so helpful of like making it real and near. But mm. he, I, I just got this book when I was studying for it, but it was called The Hallelujah Banquet. Mm. So it's basically a collection of sermons that he did. Mm. And then he did a little primer on the front end that was so helpful to me about, again, anchoring not only Reverse Thunder, which I thought was so helpful. He wrote that book early on. This one was more like an older man who's now kind of been pastoring these people for whatever, 30 years, 40 years, wrote the message. And this book was really him giving this idea of this hallelujah banquet and how it impacts these seven churches with that perspective. That, and the big thing that came out of there that just was like, that and I was telling David and I were talking about this, that he talks about how I'm, I make all things new. And he was saying, we say, I am making all things new. Yeah. He's saying, it's present tense. Yeah. It's not in the future. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it, it changes the whole way. You, yeah, you yeah. one, how you read the book, but it also changes the way how it impacts you today. Yeah. So that that was so, the Hallelujah Bank was good. And then William Barclay has been, um, I, I'll do a caveat. He's a universalist. Uh, so anytime <laughs> it comes to like, uh, heaven and hell, I have to really kind of discern that. But as far as commentaries go, he's always been really helpful for me. But he wrote uh, uh, just a small little commentary on the seven churches. And it was really, he, he, that was where I got the whole, he was the one who brought out the idea of like the holding. Mm -hmm. Like in that passage, it wasn't like, you know, I'm holding this cup. It's like change yeah, in your yeah. hand. He's like, and I was like, he's so good for me at bringing that kind of stuff out in the Greek and, mm. and helping me kind of work through. So mm. that book was really, really, yeah. I think it was yeah. called, the, you know, The Letter to the Seven Churches. And then it was um, by William Barclay. So yeah. those ones were really super helpful to me. And yeah. then there's a really thick one. I can't even remember the name of it. <laughs> I kind of, some of that stuff, I go like, oh, I don't, I, I can't dig Something in too much. Yeah, I need a little yeah. bit more time. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think for me, I think all the resources that were really instrumental for me came up uh, already in conversation. <laughs> Mystery Research through Western Eyes, yeah. or Individualist Eyes, rather. Uh, but both of those are great. And then mm. I think that Bible Project class, I think it's called... Uh, yeah, introduction to, to the Hebrew Bible. Uh, that's mm. hugely valuable. I'd highly encourage everybody. Actually, given Bible Project a little plug, they're just releasing an app, I think this week, mm. uh, with some of those tools in there to, to, cool. to start uh, teaching people in a guided reading over the course of a year, reading through the Torah. I haven't looked at it yet because it hasn't that's dropped a, that's yet. That's a Mackie. You can't oh, go yeah. wrong. Yeah. You can't you go wrong. Dude, I'm that's telling you, I think that if for a lot of people who are trying to kind of work through, like, just give me a, you know, a 10,000 foot view of it yeah it, they do those those things yeah, are so helpful to give you like give me the yeah. the, the canon of this particular yeah. book mm -hmm. like they do such a good job of yeah. helping so yeah good yeah, plug yeah. for sure what about you david um reverse thunder eugene peterson i yeah. thought was great um i think more than just revelation but kind of like a cultural moment and yeah and mm -hmm. and a lot of what revelation was calling us to um john tyson's book beautiful resistance mm -hmm. Um, I said prudent resistance in my message. <laughs> um, but his beautiful resistance, I think it's, it speaks to a lot of good things that I think Revelation points us to. And then John Mark Comer's Live No Lies. Is, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, that book, I was reading that kind of similar time as going through the, the false teaching reality of Revelation 2 and 3. So those are, those are helpful books for the church today. Yeah, great. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you guys for being with us. Uh, it's been really great uh, chatting. Hopefully we'll get to do this again sometime. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks. Guys. Thanks.